0: So uh, tonight, I, this will be a short Dharma talk, and um, I will be saying some things that you heard Kaylin Roshi say yesterday, and that I said the day before, um, but repetition is always good. <laughs> and maybe, and, you know, maybe you'll hear it in a different way. So... <clears throat> How do we practice with karma, no separate self, and dependent arising? How do we study karma, no separate self, and dependent arising? We study our minds, is how we practice by studying our minds. Is this too? Is it okay? And then, um. I think it's important to recognize that the study of karma, no separate self, and dependent arising is a spiritual practice. And um, the study of these concepts tie into, clarify, and make real to us the three marks of existence, impermanence, suffering, and no self so strictly speaking zen is a spiritual practice but not necessarily a religious practice traditionally religious practices um, uh, are understood as a means to establish a communication with a divine or higher uh, divine being higher being. In Zen, spiritual practice is about clarifying our minds to ourselves through the practice of Sazen. This practice will lead us to begin to come to terms with the bewildering thing called living. Zen teachings are experiential. They are not conceptually based. They are a collection of descriptions from careful, very close observations of humans' experience of consciousness. Uh, people interested in finding out what was going on here with living. Uh, you know, philosophers, classical Greek philosophers did the same, but they sort of became more enamored with a. The, the conceptual ideas they were creating, whereas it seems in, in Zen, um, it seems to be based on experience, and then from that they they create a kind of a framework. <clears throat> so, uh, how do we begin this study? It would be good to begin at the beginning by studying the perceiver of the universe. Ourselves, the self, me, mine, and I. Yeah. It doesn't seem that we have a clear understanding of this perceiver at all. The one we think we are or what we are actually doing. We have this deep, anxious belief and one that we're not entirely convinced of that <clears throat> we are a separate, independent, real entity, and that life is frightening and dangerous for us. This belief is based on a misunderstanding that has a simple logic about the about the way that or, our organs of perceptions function. So whatever we become aware of, we see as external to us, as separate. From ourselves. Even our feelings seem to be out there. This belief and the conditioning that accompanies it is worthy of intense study. Buddha Dharma tells us it is an enormous delusion. It is common to all human beings across all cultures and time. It is what Tenzin Zenki describes in the second chapter of being upright. Precisely, what we have to renounce on the bodhisattva path. As bodhisattvas, what we have to give up, to renounce, is delusion. This delusion of separateness is what the Buddha and ancestors were awakened by, awakened to, and realized. We are fortunate we have this delusion to wake up to. I don't think that we awaken to an awakening. Do you think we awaken to an awakening? (laughs) (laughs) We can also closely study and question, on an intellectual level, the belief of separateness. For example, what does it mean to be separate? How does the separateness work? Is everything separate or just some things? Is if beings and things are separate, do they inhabit separate worlds or environments? I mean, how does it all work? Science finds throughout the universe, microscopically and cosmologically, an evidently self-regulating order. How does this square with separate beings and things? science finds interconnectedness across life and the universe isn't it interesting that this belief of separateness appears only at our psychological level i mean it's really odd how many beliefs we have that when we examine closely are illogical On the emotional level, we can study the feeling of separateness when it arises, uh, delving into the experience to understand it. We tend to ignore the momentary experiences of our bodies and mind. For example, meaning your body can be having a reaction, but you're not paying attention to it. Instead, you're paying attention to what your mind is telling you. So... You know, I guess that's called not being present in the moment, not being aware of the whole view in the moment. (coughs) So um, we have been trained instead to take our interpretations of our experiences, what we abstract from the experience as the truth. We believe the stories, our thoughts and feelings tell us. This is also the meaning of ignorance, and we do it all the time. This is why Zen says that we live, one of the three poisons we live under is, is ignorance. Zen practice asks us to examine all of this. It teaches us how to see for ourselves, to exercise our own minds and hearts in a in a way a time comes in our practice when it feels that for the first time in our lives we are really directly engaging with our lives it kind of feels like oh you know you you're going along you think that you you know you think that you are aware of yourself and what's going on inside of you um And then, I mean, for me, it was like, after practicing Zazen for a while, it felt like I had been living in bed with the covers over my head, imagining what was going on on the outside. (laughs) And and then, you know, uh, little by little, you know, (laughs) Lifted the blanket, peeked out, <laughs> and then sat up in bed, and then stood up um, because we, you know, we just take in so much of the conditioning, uh, and um, and we're not aware of it until until we sit with ourselves, until we sit and settle ourselves on ourselves. The study of our everyday minds, our karmic consciousness, is spiritual practice. You could say that all thinking is karma since our actions arise from our thinking. This is the importance of studying our thinking, for by it you are directly studying karma. Another helpful way Tenshin Zanki suggests looking at this is that... At any given moment, there is a volition, there's a motivation, there's an intent in our consciousness, and there will be a consequence from it. So can you find in your mind the intent of this moment? Can you see the the motivation? It will be there. If not as a specific intention, then there will be a kind of a pattern or a shape or a direction that the consciousness is going <clears throat> in. So this is our karmic consciousness arising from myriad causes and conditions and it will manufacture karmic, karmic uh, chain reactions. Mm-hmm. Our actions arise from karmic consciousness, and this is where the sense of self and others as separate lives. This is where the delusion of separateness lives, and it is readily available for us to study. Karma is not a type of entity or force that exists by itself, so to speak. Karmic consciousness is a creative process bringing results Sowing seeds for future results it is a kind of dependent arising. it is diluted and because it is diluted it creates suffering for us and for others so now we come to the second mark of existence suffering when we are in the middle of suffering what do we do we resist it it's normal to flinch from pain but suffering is something else Pain is the physical or mental sensation that is inevitable in life. Whereas suffering is the reaction to pain caused by attachment, aversion, or ignorance. I imagine that there has always been a consensus throughout cultures and times to think that something is wrong if we are suffering because there has always been the search because um, there has always been the search for who or what to blame for the suffering. Uh, there has always been so much suffering that we can't alleviate and and feel helpless with that we end up thinking you just suck it up or you should this should not be happening or it is your doing or it is my doing. Individually, we do many things to distract ourselves and to try to escape from our suffering. We have been thoroughly conditioned for thousands of years and we continue to reinforce this conditioning ourselves by trying to escape from where we are right now. We are well-trained in escaping our lives by escaping our suffering. We end up accumulating a large amount of escaped suffering that we bury in our minds and body. This seems to create an ever-thickening wall around us that then doesn't let in the joy, gratitude, wonder, all the lovely things of life. Precisely what we need to do is what we have been well-conditioned to avoid. This is karmic consciousness to study. This is spiritual practice. This is delusion to renounce. As Tenshin Zenki says, we need to be present with whatever is going on with us, to relax with it, to welcome it. And this is not for the faint-hearted. It is difficult. And this is one of the reasons bodhisattvas have always been called heroic. We're doing something that's very difficult. Courage and resolve is needed to begin this practice and to continue on this path towards liberation. We can only have the greatest respect for those of us who are here doing this practice. When I look out the Sangha, I can see we are well aware of this. We respect and feel safe with each other, because we know what it takes. And Appreciate our common effort. We can trust in our practice together. Tenzin Zinke says, the whole world needs me to practice. The whole world needs me to settle myself on myself, to practice, remember, and transmit silence and stillness. This may feel like an exaggerated statement to make for some of us. This is what the sense of separateness believes, that we are too little, that we are almost nothing to influence the world. In reality, everything we do is karma. Each action is a subtle form of energy, like a pebble thrown in the pond of the universe. Buddha Dharma says it will ripple out towards infinity. It will never cease, nor will it ever be erased. It can be though, transformed. This idea conforms with the first law of thermodynamics that says energy cannot be created or destroyed. The simple fact is the suffering world needs you and I to practice. When we take the courageous decision to study our karmic consciousness and start to understand our lives, something wonderful begins to happen we awaken not only our minds, but also our hearts. It is like as if a new person with a new heart is born. In Dharma scripture, it is described as an uncovering, revealing our original nature, but it is also like our birth as bodhisattvas. The Dharma describes the defining characteristic of this heart as openness perhaps something like the open pure hearts we once had before it began to close up and withdraw only now in an adult heart that can develop adult virtues like patience resolve stability i think this heart quickens with the recognition of the three marks of existence impermanence permanence suffering and no separate self as reality in our lives then we feel the steady beat of this heart with faith in practice the fruits of practice begin an ever-growing resolve there is a blossoming knowing we have found a genuine practice and that it has taken root we are not fooling or merely entertaining ourselves with an extraordinary adventure or a really interesting game. Though it sometimes seems like this is for real. <laughs> Resolve and vow to practice for all beings comes to be. Vow, to bring, vow brings quiet happiness. We begin to see a reality on the horizon of what the harmony of everything could be and so trust in our lives is born so trust in our lives is born